And I mentioned this, I believe it was yes, last Sunday, that um, we, uh, I'm going to change my format. Uh, we, up to last Sunday, we were at Jeremiah chapter 6, and that was, that was message number 41. So 41 messages to get to chapter 6 and through it. There are 52 chapters in Jeremiah. And uh, I do not want this to be the sermon series that took a millennia. You know, so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to back up a little bit and we're just going to do one chapter a night, uh, which means we're not going to be going exactly verse to verse. We're going to be doing looking at some highlights, getting the heart, you know, some of the ideas of it and then moving on. Okay, so uh, I just cannot imagine if it took us 41 messages to get through six chapters. You do the math. You know, it's just, it's just, it, it was, so anyway, this is the new plan. So tonight we're just going to look at chapter 7. And I mentioned to you that the theme is hypocrisy, and, and it is the hypocrisy of the people of God. So let's begin in, in verse 1, Jeremiah chapter 7. We're just going to kind of walk through this and pick out some highlights and, and, and learn. We want to learn. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I understand that no man or woman is perfect. No one is perfect. And we don't generally advertise our failures, do we? You know, I mean, that's, that's not necessarily even a sign of humility uh, to just uh, to do that. The challenge, though, the hypocrite is someone that takes extra efforts to totally give a different impression. And that's what God hates. That was the Pharisees to a T, uh, but the Pharisees were the result of a fruit of long years of, you know, going through the motions of religion. And we could go all the way back now to this time in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 7. So let's just begin and look at some of these verses here. Look at verse 1 and following. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, and enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Let's stop right there. So what were they doing? They were, again, they were going through the motions of religion. They were, going, they were going through the temple now. Jeremiah was challenged, give this message to all my people. So many, most people believe, or many people that study this, this passage believe that this, this message was being proclaimed probably during the Feast of Tabernacles or the Passover, one of the holidays where there would be you know, all the Jews would come from all over and they would hear this message. And so you imagine that here's Jeremiah planted right by the entrance of the temple and he is proclaiming this message, not a feel-good, power of positive thinking, Norman Vincent Peale message. This is a message of judgment because these people have forsaken their relationship with God and what they're doing is they are trusting in lying words. Again, look at verse 4. Uh, 
Trust ye not in lying words, say, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. What is he talking about? Clearly, uh, we don't say that today, but the, the idea is that they were greatly trusting in their religion. The fact that they were doing what God wanted them to do. We, we could look at Amos chapter 1 uh, and Hosea and Isaiah where some of the same, the most scathing words from God against religion, against the very religion that God required. And, and God says, I'm done with it. I don't want it away with it. And now he's talking to people that the idea of the temple of the Lord, that it would be like us saying, I go to church, I go to church. And, and in America, you know, people are very, <clears throat> at least we were, you know, religion played a big part, less and less over the years. But people that would say, hey, I'm religious, I go to church. And, and you hear people say that, no matter what their denomination is, there's, there's great pride and dignity that goes with whatever denomination they're a part of, and they're proud to be this religion, and you know, in other words, it's, it's like they're saying, hey, I'm good with God. I do this. Let's read through. Verse 5. For if ye thoroughly, truly amend your ways and your doings, if ye truly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt. Notice these conditions. He is saying this to people that it doesn't qualify. They're doing these things. In fact, we looked at verse 8 or verse 9 during our, our uh, communion time. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery and swear falsely? Let's go back to this, this list now in verse 6. If ye, uh, actually verse 5, if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, at this point in their history, the court systems, the judicial systems, the, the way that they handled um, discrepancies and, and issues, there was incredible injustice. The court systems were, you, you would not look to the court systems to get judgment. And so Jesus, God, God is saying, you need to um, thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor. You're not doing that now, God is saying. Now these are all people, imagine, it's the Sabbath. They're all dressed in their Sabbath best and they're coming to the temple and they're looking all prim and proper. You've got the smells of the incense and, and the sounds of, of the temple and, and this is the religious day. They're going probably even a high, you know, like the Sabbath or Passover, excuse me, the Passover, Feast of Tabernacles. This is a big deal. And everything about them, at least for that moment, oozes religion. I'm religious. I'm righteous. So you've got Say, for example, judges walking in that just the previous week had been, uh, you know, heard some cases and, and were not looking for justice. They allowed someone to grease their palm. They, 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 um, they showed favoritism. They were not people of integrity when it came to their neighbors and making sure that justice took place. But they sure looked fine on that Sabbath going into that temple. They sure were impressive. You saw them, or oh, they looked 
They looked pretty religious. Wow, there's a, there's a holy people there. And God is looking at them and, and just thinking of not what they're doing on the Sabbath day, not that they're going through the motions of religion. God is thinking what they're doing in their own time, what they're doing in their personal lives. goes on. If you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. These, these people are being rebuked because there was such gross neglect of innocent people, the people that mattered so much to the Lord, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow. This is not the only time in the, in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, where these people are mentioned. God has a very special place in His heart for the underprivileged, the widows, the, 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 the fatherless. Over and over again, God would, would command Israel, you make sure you take care of the fatherless, the widows. Over and over again. They were not doing this. Folks, they weren't doing this. And there was no shame, as we're going to learn throughout the book of Jeremiah. These people would not bat an eye uh, and think nothing of living a contrary life that totally contradicted what this relationship, you know, the fact that they were going into the temple to worship Yahweh, this, this God that cared for the underprivileged and the, and, and the, you know, the abused and the neglected, and they could do this, they could just show no concern and still go to church, as it were, and shed not innocent blood in this place, in this place. And we could go back to some times in, in Israel's history some, uh, under some of the most wicked kings where that actually took place, where bloodshed took place in the temple. Neither walk after other gods to your hurt. Now notice... We just gave a whole list of, of charges against the Jews. And all but the last one had to do with their relationship with fellow, with their neighbor. Only one of them, that last one, had to do with their relationship with God. God is very concerned with how we treat one another, how we treat our fellow man. And notice what he says, if you will amend your ways. In other words, hey, stop playing the hypocrite. Stop coming in like you're, like you're right with me and you love me and you want to worship me. Stop doing that because you're not doing that in your personal lives. And if you will address these things, start, you judges, start judging righteous judgment. And you do all these things and look at verse 7. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave your fathers forever and forever. This is interesting. The land that I gave your fathers forever and forever. Apparently God considered the promises of the land, the promises of Israel, um, as, as a long you know, permanent promise. You know, there's people that believe and that say that um, that Joshua chapter 21 verses 43 and following that that was when because you remember long ago God promised the Jews, promised Israel, I will give you the promised land, and he even laid out the borders and all that. And the promise 
to Israel of the land. And by the way, that's certainly on the news now, is it not? Forefront. There are people that will say that that point in Jeremiah chapter 24, in fact, let me read it to you. You're welcome to turn there. But Jeremiah 20, 21, rather, Jeremiah, er, no. It's tough when you're quoting two Bible passages that begin with a J. We're studying Joshua, then we're studying Jeremiah. But, what, but I'm going to quote from Joshua. Listen to what Joshua 21, because this text is what some people will say. Well, this is when God fulfilled his promise and gave it to the Jews. And now, therefore, that promise is no longer in effect. Listen to Joshua 21, verse 43 and following. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers. And they possessed it and dwell, dwelt therein. And the Lord God gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. See that? God fulfilled his word to the Jews. Done. No longer applies. But wait a minute. Here we are now in Jeremiah chapter 7. Uh, more than 600 years after this word was written to Joshua. And God is still promising the Jews the, the land. The land is theirs. It's still in play. Again, look at, at Jeremiah chapter 7, or 7 and verse 7. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers for a little while. Now, I saw some of you looking up at me when I read that. And I just pulled the, I just pulled the carpet out from under you. Because look at it again. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 7. Here's what I read. Tell me if I read it right. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers for a little while. No, it says forever and ever. And that's, that's what he means. That's a promise. It didn't end at Joshua chapter 24. It did not end here. It did not even end when Assyria came and took Israel captive. And now here, we're, here we are in Josh, Jeremiah 7. We know what's coming. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is going to come and take the Jews into captivity, into Babylon. But the promise is still there. Now, let's move on. I want you to look now at verse 12. We're going to jump past the, we, what we looked at during communion. Look at verse 12. God says, go, but go ye now unto my place, which is in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. He's now referring to the northern tribes. He's now referring to the, the most central city in Israel, Shiloh. And for upwards of 400 years, it was the place of worship. During the, the tabernacle and during those years, that was the place of worship, Shiloh, before it moved to, to where the temple is now. But he's saying, I want you to look at that. Again, now, uh, go ye now unto my place which is in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, 
And see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not, and I called you, but ye answered not. Therefore will I do unto this house. Remember Jeremiah, he's preaching in the temple. What an amazing thing. He's sitting there, he's preaching in this, this luxurious, beautiful place that Israel took so much pride in. This was, this was where Yahweh lived. And they, and they would meet with Him. This, this, in fact, they looked at it then kind of like as a good luck charm. Hey, we, we go worship in the temple. We can do all these abominations. We looked at that verse there in the, during the communion time. It doesn't matter because look what we're doing. God is happy with us. And now God says, I want you, right now, I want you to go to Shiloh. It's, it's an it's a imagery, it's a picture. Uh, and he says in verse 14, Therefore will I do unto this house, the temple, I will do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Ephraim. So, the religious center of Israel for upwards of 400 years was Shiloh. And it came abruptly to a halt. First, two times. And, and archaeology, even, uh, they've uncovered stuff that clearly reveal the archaeological ruins that twice it was devastated. The first time was by the Philistines, and this is written in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Finally, uh, and this is what Jeremiah is talking about, the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel many years later, and that's referred to in Psalm 78. Let me read to you what God said about Shiloh in Psalm 78, verses 58 through 61. For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. When, and when God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among men, and he delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hands. What is Jeremiah doing? Jeremiah is saying, exhibit number, or exhibit letter A, exhibit A, Shiloh. And at that very time, it was in ruins. It was a ghost town. It was empty. It was dead. And God was saying, this is what's going to happen to this place right here. It's amazing. See, they had so much pride in the here and now. It, it, Jeremiah's words uh, obviously must have seen, seemed ridiculous because the temple was so thriving. It was so powerful. It was so huge. It was such a central part of, of Israel and their existence. And Jeremiah is sitting here saying, you know what? This place is going to be like Shiloh. In other words, he's saying, I want you to go to a place where God is not there. And that's what's going to happen if you don't get right with me, if you don't amend your ways, if you don't stop your hypocrisy. What an, what an amazing, amazing thing. 
Such a fresh illustration. The Jews, about a hundred years before Israel, it's like history, clearly, history is being repeated. It literally is. And, and the prophets that came to, to warn the northern tribe, and they wouldn't listen. By the way, interesting point. This message that Jeremiah preached at the gate of the temple, almost word for word, it's the same theme is found in Jeremiah chapter 26. Now some people believe that it is the same event. Clearly the first six chapters of Jeremiah are scanning a broad overview of the book of Jeremiah in different parts. Some people believe that, that this event in chapter 7 is then repeated in chapter 26. Some people believe that this here in Jeremiah chapter 7 was an earlier message Similar, similar message, you know, maybe Jeremiah brushed up some things, but that in chapter 26 was a different time. But he's saying the same things. Now, it is interesting, in fact, we'll close with this, that in Jeremiah chapter 26, when he preached to them, in fact, let me turn there, Jeremiah chapter 26, I'm sorry, I did not write the the verses down, but the same message, but at the very end in Jeremiah chapter 26, the people of Israel threatened to kill Jeremiah. They didn't want anything to do with it. So whether it was a different event, or it's the same event that Jeremiah is preaching in chapter 7, uh, can you imagine Jeremiah being given this commission? And and there's even a statement, I I forget what verse, where it was like, his heart wasn't into it because clearly he was, he was not preaching a popular message. He had to obediently challenge God's people to get right with him. And I want to close. I, want to, I, I just remembered a very important aspect that's in here. And, and I don't have time to look through my notes. But one of the things God highlighted in chapter 7 was, and it might be the very next few verses. I don't want to waste the time or take the time to go through. Tell Alan what were you going to say. Five what? Okay, uh, that might. Are you talking chapter seven? Oh, twenty-seven. Five through seven. Twenty-six. And what is it? Five through seven. Jeremiah twenty-six. Oh, okay. You're saying this is part of the same message there. As far as the threatening and all that. Okay, all right, thank you. Take note of that. But here's another, the other point is this, is that God makes it very clear to him, to the the Jews, as far as the sacrificial system, as far as the offerings, God said, listen, and he brings them back to when they entered into covenant with them, and he said, and he goes back to that time. He says, this was, I'm paraphrasing now, he said, this wasn't even part of the covenant, when we first, when you first agreed, we entered into a relationship, there were none of these offerings and things, things that you're doing now. In other words, these were people that entered into a covenant relationship and they had long since forsaken their relationship with God. 
And now they're doing these things, these offerings and all, which were things that came along later. And God is saying, that's not what I want. I want your heart. I want you to walk with me day in and day out. I want it to be a genuine relationship. And so as we close, the thing that we can learn, whether we look back in Jeremiah's time, the people of Judah, back in Israel's time, back in Jesus' time when the Pharisees were there, or in our time, hypocrisy is one of the great abominations of our God. Let's not just go through the motions. I remember one time challenging someone. I remember it was when I was pastoring in Lancaster. And um, there, there was somebody, a Christian, that had the wrong attitude. And I was trying to exhort them about getting the right attitude. And they made this statement, oh, you know what, I might as well never come to church. I might as well just not come to church. And it's like, wait a minute, you're, you're missing it. You know, can you imagine the Jews? Maybe some of them responded to Jeremiah. You know what, I'm not even going to come to the temple anymore. You don't appreciate it. That wasn't the point. The point was, get your heart right with God. Then all those things will flow naturally out of obedience because of your love for the Lord. But unless it's genuine, it is meaningless. Let's pray. Father, help us to learn from the hypocrisy of your people over the years. And uh, Father, I pray that we would learn that you're a God of truth. You just you want sincerity. You do not want us to pretend to be something we're not. You don't want us putting the mask on and you know making people think things of us that are not us. But Father, you do want us to be people of integrity. You want us to have proper dealings fellow human to fellow human. You want us to be people of integrity in our dealings with people. You want us to be honest and loving and and just proper that it would flow from our relationship with you. And so, Lord, help us us to learn these things. Help us to apply them. And, uh, Father, help us to be salt and light in the day that we live, a, a day where the light seems to be getting dimmer and dimmer, which means that our light can shine brighter and brighter. Help it to be so. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, let's take out our hymn books. And let's go to hymn 209. 209, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.